0: Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, Friday. That means it's Duffified Live Day. Yeah, it's a Friday morning, so we've got this coming out to you guys very loud. I hope you're enjoying it. If the kids are in the car, make sure that you uh, give them, like, uh, I don't know, all the tools that they need to be distracted. They need an iPod. They need beats in their ears. They've got to have some form of screen either be on the back of the car or back of the uh, headrest, maybe something hanging down from the center. Whatever you can do to find to distract them. You go right ahead because this is going to be a fun one. I have a great conversation today. But before I get into any conversations or any of that stuff, I've got to take care of some stuff. First things first, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Get over there and do that. That's Chef Bride Duff. I have some fun. I travel. Y'all hear about it. We go out. We booze. We do all the good stuff. Then from there, get over to Facebook. It's a little bit more family friendly. Y'all know that. Facebook's family friendly. Chef Brian Duff. where that happens. Okay, you guys want to hear a guest. Do you guys have questions for me? Whatever it works out to be, definitely go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Send me the message. I try to get back to you guys as fast as I can. Uh, if you want to see a guest on here, tag them. Get them involved. Let them know that we're here. Talk about it. Let them know how much fun we're going to have. I have some great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks, and I'm super excited about it. Um, I uh, want to talk to you guys really quick about the fact that we are doing uh, Nogginware. Nogginware, yeah we do it all the time we talk about it all the time so let's see what happens here let's talk about noggin wear. my boys over there listen i get the hiccups i'm hiccuping when i talk about it because i've been out with scott we have fun um these guys are good dudes man you know little little new england area up there scott and the boys create awesome hats they have subscriptions for you guys you all know about it they're three and six-month subscriptions. If you want to just buy one hat, go right ahead. They allow that as well. If you buy that one hat, go in and pick out some of the really cool stuff. They have limited edition. They're doing this amazing artist uh, collection right now. Um, They did a couple of hats for me as well. You can get the pink girl Duff hat. You can get the boy Duff hat. We've got two of them in there. We've got the one with the knives. We've got Duffified across the front, which breaks it down into Duff, me, Fifi. That's Fiona ed you want to play with it that's i didn't realize it until later on that that actually kind of all worked out that way with duffified but it does so go over to dog check out the boys tell them i sent you you are easily going to receive 10 percent off your bill plus you're going to get something super cool in the packages and all shipping across the board everywhere you look it's going to be free for you and for me so that's what we got on our first uh, little noggin where uh, commercial for you guys. Cause you know, they're my sponsor. I got to take care of them. I got to talk to them. So uh, one of the big things that we are talking about this week um, is I have been uh, asked to go out to the roots initiative out in uh, Cleveland uh, on September 24th, 25th. I believe it is. I get to go out there. I get to hang out with farmer Lee Jones I think I believe Mr. Chad Rosenthal is going to fly out there from Cincinnati, and he's going to stop in. We're going to sit down. We're going to be on a panel. And on this panel, we get to discuss all sorts of just super cool things. But the one thing that we're going to be discussing that I've been invited to go out and discuss is about our employees How are we handling all this new stuff that's happening within this world that we're living in of people wanting $15 an hour? And how are we handling the employees themselves? Because we all know that our labor pool is at the absolute worst. Look, and and it's not the labor pool themselves that the problem, it has to do with the oversaturation of the market. If you think about it, and I talk about this all the time, about 20 years ago, there were 950 restaurants in Philadelphia. At this point right now, there's over 9,000 restaurants. So Take the creme de la creme. Take the amazing servers. They used to be. They used to be professional career servers. They're not there anymore. They're kind of stepping away. Either that or they're old and dead. It happens. I know a couple of them. It's a shame. We still love you and we love the time spent with you. But let's talk about this in the labor world. So now we're taking an employee who's subpar that we're trying to put in uh, into a space that we really are just looking for bodies right now. You know, you think about it, we're, we're hitting overtime all the time with our employees and we're having issues with our employees. We have to coddle them. We've got to take care of it. you guys heard me in the past. I talk about an employee who came to me and told me that I was stifling her creativity. Meanwhile, she was banging the GM of the restaurant. So who's stifling what boys and girls? It comes down to the simple fact that we have expectations that we hold within our, within our, our, our businesses that we want our staff to hold to hold true to. Uh, the other day, I went into a restaurant. I had a meeting with some some uh, with a a marketing company, and we sat down. and An old server of mine came over to the table and gave this amazing spiel of what our features were for the day, what wines were matching with each one. They had a beer special for that day. She touched on each individual ingredient as if it was her own creation, but oddly enough. I couldn't get her to say a greeting at my own place. So we had to let her go. So what's the difference between the two? That's what I kind of come down to or what I've kind of surmised over the last couple of weeks is that, you know, people don't quit jobs. They quit people. So either I wasn't doing my job in the education of her or the staff that I had hired to train her and to educate her and keep her up to speed with what it is that we needed to get done just wasn't there. So where does that lead us to this point? Where does it put us now? Well, where I believe it puts us is we are at a critical time within this world. Uh, The labor pool, like we keep saying, is just kind of that it's, it's just, it's just almost non-existent anymore to get quality cooks, quality prep cooks, quality dishwashers to come into the restaurant and then servers on the whole front of it. How are we keeping and retaining these people? Well, for me, one of the things that I truly believe in, and this is one of the reasons why I had to leave the restaurant, this is one of the reasons why I had to sell, why I had to walk away, because the management company that I had in place um, uh, my last bunch of weeks, which is a company called MBB Management, um, you know, they were just kind of unable to execute what it is that needed to be done. We had a contract with them, and I just kind of got to the point that there really wasn't a tremendous amount that I could do while being on the road to make my staff see what it is that I truly believed in because the management company themselves didn't believe in it so it's kind of hard to take that vision and run it forward when you're meeting obstruction in reality across the way so so for us when it comes into the restaurant and what I work with my clients on all the time is about is about educating our staff you know so many of our restaurants and so many of the owners that I deal with Talk about every day about the fact that we need to upsell, we need to upsell, sell more desserts, sell more appetizers, sell more sides, sell more wine. Don't think about the glass. Go with the bottle. Go here. When in reality, you're making more money off the glass anyway than you are. So let's break this down another level. Okay. When you have a staff that's coming into work for you in this day and age, you need to engage them. I am sitting in front of an employee a potential employee who in reality is now interviewing me. What are you going to do for me? Because that's the world that we live in now when it comes to employees. What are you going to do to me? And I'm not talking about going to McDonald's and getting a job. You're going there because you need a job, you know, but when it comes to becoming a server or a manager or something to that effect, you're walking into a business, really finding out, what am I going to gain from you as an employee? You're saying, to the owner, the employer, what am I going to get out of this? Other than just a paycheck, it's not just about the paycheck anymore. Although we all understand that everybody wants more money, the 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 way, the wages are going up and everything. But they're now interviewing you. So I find that I am talking to employees after listening to them, whether they're worth it. it, it it's, it's not like there's a piece of shit who walked in the front door wearing a pot t-shirt because I've seen it. And he walks in the front door and sits down with a pair of um, those DG sneakers on and and capri shorts that are camo with a pot t-shirt on. I didn't hire him, oddly enough. But I remember talking to him for the couple of seconds that I did, and his whole attitude was just kind of nonchalant, like, fuck it, I really don't even want the job anyway. So I wonder if this guy ever did get a job. But when I talk to people now after that initial stage, I really want them to know what it is that we are going to be able to give to them. Here's what I can offer when you come into a restaurant and work with me if it's a direct interaction between you and me, not with a, with a, a management company um, that just was unable to execute what we needed them to execute. So in this case, it's about the fact that I talk about my pre-meals and how important a pre-meal is because the, there, there's a series of words that I hate When I go into a restaurant and I I sit down and I say, hey, can I get that burger without whatever it is, lettuce? Or can I have, uh, you know, I'm really not a fan of the truffle butter that you're going to put on top of my 45-day dry-aged steak, Okay. And I get that on the side? And then there's these words that come right back to me. Hold on. Let me check with the kitchen. So my world that I live in is if you have to check with the kitchen, if you've got to get into that kitchen and ask them whether or not you can do that, then the chef, the management, the owners have not done their job because you as an employee are an independent contractor and it is up to you. To gain as much information as possible so that you can execute on the highest level. And that's where it comes to the job of the management, the chef, the upper tier of people that are working in that restaurant. It's about education. If you don't know anything about the menu, then you're not going to be able to sell that menu. A couple of analogies that I use are really very simple. If you are an employee, and let's say that you're let's say you're a surgeon, okay? Are you going to go in and do open-heart surgery? Yeah, You might have seen it once or twice. You're not 100% sure, but ah, eh, fuck it. I think I can make this happen. No, it doesn't happen that way. That surgeon has done all of the prep work ahead of time. He's looking at the charts. He's seeing exactly what the problem, not just will he, hey, it's a, it's a political world. It's not just a he, it's a she, or it's both of them combined together, if that's what you choose. But what it comes down to is that that surgeon is walking in prepared to do the job. He's educated for that. Okay. It'd be like getting into a cab in New York city and the cab drivers really never driven the city. He's not a hundred percent sure. And guess what? A motherfucker's got bad wifi. So he doesn't have a good service. His cell service comes off of what? I don't know. Cricket. Who knows? Okay. But it's not good. So I'm saying to the guy, Hey, I want to go. To 54th and 5th and he drops me off at 53rd, you know, or on 48th or 47th because he doesn't know the lay of the land. So it is your job to educate your staff so that they know the lay of the land. If I, you know, I, I create uh, signature blends of spices for my clients. So every client gets a different kind of version of a French fry seasoning or a potato chip seasoning or something, because a French fry should not just have to be the salt and pepper in my world. I like to have a little bit of an onion powder or garlic powder, something else that gets mixed into that, that makes their fries, chips, whatever it is, better than anybody else's. So. For me, if I said to a server, hey, I'm allergic to onions, Um, can you make sure there's no onions on my burger or whatever, then the automatic response should be, okay, just so you know, we do use onion powder in our french fry seasoning. I'll make sure to tell the kitchen that. Or, hey, I'm allergic to onions, is there anything in that dish that I should worry about? And the server's immediate response should be, yes, we do use an onion powder within this. Okay, so it's not just of, hey, this is our feature for the day, which is a burger with onions and onions and onions and onions and onions on the fries. What this is, is this is me conversing with a staff and saying to the staff. This is our dish for the day, and what I'm doing is this burger that has this mixed in. It comes this way. It comes off of this grill. It comes out of this station. It goes on this type of bread. We use this type of lettuce. I make an aioli that goes in there, which has garlic, mayonnaise, whatever it is, basil. Who knows what it works out to be, but it comes down to that's what I have to educate my staff about. So we need to do that. It's very, very important that we continuously educate our staff. We teach them the proper ways of getting out there. So ladies and gentlemen, reinvest in your business. Get into the business. Talk to your staff. It's not just about the upsell. It's about the education that leads to the upsell. Because when your staff is educated and confident about what it is that they're doing, then the dollars come rolling in on the other end. So that's how I feel about that with labor. My whole world that I live in when it comes to this business is about education, sharing the knowledge that I have with other people. And that's really what I want to do. It's really what I like to do. So. Ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. If you are ever out there and, you are in, uh, and you're in Milan, Ohio, next week, stop by the Roots Initiative. It's 24 and tw- 25 and 26. I'll be there on 25. I'm in there for the panel. I can't wait to meet everybody and talk to everybody and have a good, good amount of time of fun. All right? So get your staff educated. Have fun with them. The upsell is going to follow through with that on the other end. Okay? Uh, let's see what we have going on now. Okay, so uh, here's, here's where we are with this week. Um, I have uh, a guest who is, he's a good friend. I've known him for a bunch of years. I met him on the set of Bar Rescue uh, years ago. And this gentleman, the first time that I met him, I was unbelievably impressed with his talent for his use of uh, his brain and his hands and his artistic ways. Um, this gentleman who's coming on is uh, not only a chef, a guy who runs a series of restaurants out in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, He's also an artist. He's a sculptor. He's a musician. Uh, You may know this gentleman. He used to be in a pretty heavy metal band called Guar. Okay. Um, You may know this guy because he's been on TV for a bunch of years. He's done certain stuff like diners, drive-ins, and dives, and guys, big grocery games, and uh, guys, big bite, and all that stuff because this guy's good buddies with him. He's a friend of mine from the Mess Lords, um, which is a group of people A group of uh, some pretty funky chefs We get to travel all over the world We get to have a boatload of fun We get to uh, go and cook for the troops Which is something that we're all really super passionate about So do me a favor And uh, ladies and gentlemen Welcome to the stage, to the show, to whatever it is uh, Stretch Ruminer, man Go check him out on Instagram and Twitter At Stretch Artist Alright man, so big stretch What's going on brother? We just came out of the American Royal weekend. Yeah. It's the World Series Barbecue. That that uh, that was, uh, I was doing some research on that. I was following it a little bit on Twitter and everything. They said it was one of the biggest turnouts ever.
1: People-wise, I think so. But I think uh, they were about 150, 200 teams down because they moved it from uh, a little later in the year, which was the first weekend of October to Labor Day. So a lot of people already had other uh, things planned. Um, with families and stuff because uh, i mean this is a I won't just say a man sport but usually by the end of the season right after royal um there's a huge honey-do list for a lot of these cooks yeah I'm and, sure uh, there is i mean <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're cooking every weekend and drinking every weekend and uh your wife <laughs> others whatever wants something done uh you're out cooking so yeah they put a big list together so a lot of guys got stuck on that and or you know had to do something with the family well,
0: what's your, uh, what, what's plus your Houston plus Houston. We lost a lot of teams because of the Houston
1: Oh, you know, that's that little, right. yeah.
0: uh, hurricane Herman. Her, yeah. Herman. She's well, now they're saying who's the new chick Irma. Irma. She's six, man. Sure. She's a category five right now. She's coming in 190 miles an hour down in the Caribbean. I knew yeah. Irma that was
1: coming in at 190. Yeah. They coming, in, pay extra
0: for that. coming in hot, coming in yeah. hot. So, Hey, uh, stretch, do me a favor. Why don't you tell us, uh, give us a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of love, man. Tell us who you are and how we can find you.
1: So I'm Stretch. I'm based at Kansas City, Missouri, originally from Philadelphia. Uh, Grinderspizza.com, uh, at Stretch Artists on Twitter, at Stretch Artist on Instagram, um, at or Stretch manor, R-U-M-A-N-E-R, or Stretch Artist on Facebook. I mean, it's pretty easy. Just Google Stretch and Artist or Stretch and um, Grinders, and uh, we'll
0: come up in any form or fashion there is nice there you go so how did it how did you go from from being in philly to ending up in kansas city
1: well i originally left philly uh about, well i started art school in kansas City the day before i turned 18 i came out here to go to art school um kansas city art institute was a great art school still is came out here to design toys that's actually what i wanted to
0: do oh nice i didn't um, know that.
1: Yeah, and then I uh, went and left. Did my masters in Richmond, Virginia at BCU. Had a good time there. Some uh, the early years of rock and roll with a band called Guar. Um, <laughs> Everybody loves Guar and a little blood spewing, ax wailing well fun. And then I uh, did a little time down in Arizona making cool sculptures and got invited back to work at the Art Institute.
0: Oh, that's cool. And moved so- to New
1: York. I kept the video on campus. So how
0: does a how does an artist? I mean, this is an odd question, but I already know the answer, but. But how does an artist go from becoming an artist, art school, masters, whole nine yards, instructor to fuck it. I want to open up a pizza place, man. Um, I drew the short stick.
1: <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> the short stick. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a need. There was a want. There was a necessity. Um, I worked in kitchens all through art school. And uh, my first job actually was in Philly. You know, when I was going to school there, I was working as a stock boy at a Woolworth. I don't know if you know this.
2: do uh, Woolworth. Yeah.
1: As, Which yeah, one? Woolworth. Yeah. The little soda, machine, you know, the little the soda jerk line, but you yeah. had a flat top the fryer, and uh, I got caught back there huffing with cream canisters And uh, he said, uh, "What are you doing?" I said, "No, no, 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 no." I uh, I was checking out her equipment. I never tell a lunch lady anyway. Um, so they put me on the fry station. But you know, when I moved back here, there was a you know the area was really getting gentrified and starting to happen. And um, there just wasn't any cool places for artists to go. Um, They were getting really expensive restaurants. And there's good pizza here in Kansas City. No cheese steaks at all to speak of. And, you know, my Philadelphia roots. And the one good place wasn't open on Sunday and they didn't have beer. That's like having a shoe without a sock, you know, (laughs) unless you're wearing flip-flops or something. Right. uh, (laughs) Which happens. Yeah, it does. And so I created this little pizza place called Grinders in about a 1,500-square-foot place. And then uh, my studio was out back. we just, you know, make stuff and, you know, serve our friends and make art and make pizzas, cheesesteaks, and burgers, and treat people right. And then uh, we opened a music venue back there where we can do 3,000 people called the Crossroads Music Venue. And we've had everybody from, you know, George Thurgood to Cake to Wilco to Black Rose, to Black Keys. And then uh, it blew up. You know, we did one Food Network show. My buddy Guy Fiedi came rolling through. We did Diners and Dives. That's what they say, you know, you build a million bridges, but you have one cheap. You're always you know, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's an instant food network star. You know?
0: So how many spots do you have now?
1: We have three, technically four, technically three, because I merged two of them together. I got Grinders West, and Grinders, the original. they're next door to each other. And I just fused them together with one menu. Um, and we're working on a new one for Lawrence, Kansas right now, just waiting on the paperwork for the city. Uh, it's the home of the Jayhawks over there in Lawrence, Kansas. We have one in Lenexa, Kansas called Grinders Stonewall. We have Grinders High Noon in Leavenworth, Kansas. That space is about 20,000 square feet. That has our brewery as well. Um, so we have big, cool, unique locate, destination locations. They're not just a go plop down, sit down kind of place. They're off the beaten track a little bit. You know, they're old buildings that were a restaurant or an old house that we modified and tweaked out into a cool
0: restaurant. Lenex is on two and a half acres, so it's cool, you know. And is that the one with the the music venue in the back?
1: No, that's right downtown. The original
0: location, Grinders
1: Crossroads, we call it, is right downtown. We have basically a whole city block or a half.
0: And uh, we'll be putting my barbecue place in the back of that (laughs) and an indoor music venue as well. Nice, man. So what? So what has been like the biggest challenge out there? I mean, Kansas City doing the volume that you guys are doing, and I mean, you guys—you don't do normal. It's not like you're just throwing pepperoni on top of a pizza. No, we do some funky, weird <laughs> specials. You know,
1: but I'll tell you. Here's a fun: stat. our little pizza place, there, our little you know grinders. Uh, well, actually, between all three of them, we went through almost nineteen
0: thousand pounds, nine tons of cheese whiz. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What are you putting cheese whiz on, other
1: than yeah, on our cheese steaks and stuff? We have all our Amorosa rolls shipped in from Philly, by the way, over like one hundred seventy five thousand a year.
0: Wow, out. that's awesome! And I, it's you know it's fun because I do the consulting and I, I open properties all over, and everyone's like, "Oh, you're from Philly? We got to get cheese steaks and do all that." And uh, ever since Amoroso started, you know, shipping nationally, it's made it a lot easier. So. I and actually on St. Patrick's Day, I do a huge thing down in Fort Myers, and we do uh, we do about 3,000 cheesesteak uh, or corned beef and cabbage cheesesteaks. So, yeah, not not great.
1: And I mean, the only way I've figured out how to make the our tar- ghost, do a half pastrami, half ribeye cheesesteak called the stretch cheesesteak. Uh, it's not on the menu, but we sell quite a few of them. And uh, it's the only way I've figured out how to make it better. But we chop it, it's shaved real thin, it's almost frozen, it's a killer sandwich. It holds everybody off. Everyone says, well, it's not as good as Philly. It's like, look, it's never going to be as <laughs> good as your meatloaf or lasagna. You know,
0: it's just good enough to hold you off. Yeah, I think. What are you, what are you, I mean, well, first off, when was the last time you were in Philly and you did the, and you did the, the challenge, the Pat's Gino stuff? When was the last time you, know, you were it, here? <laughs> you know, I, I was just in Philly last week. I put like, the host review over to
1: have a grill in Philly there. Oh, thanks for, uh, thanks
0: when, for letting me know you were here, dude. I only there's, live there's around the corner don't from let that. i people know things. Because I need to get stuff done. I company. know, I know, I'm the same. And
1: way. Uh, last thing I need to do is like, you know, 3 a.m. You know, riding a unicycle on cobblestone. <laughs> Dude, uh,
0: <laughs> I swear to God, I was just talking to Panini about that. I was like, I can't wait to have the conversation. We'll get into that in a minute in Rota, <laughs> Spain. But uh, you know, it
1: had some Genos. You know, I used to have a cassette deck. This is what I compared to, and it would auto flip. You know, so I wouldn't have to walk across the studio and flip the paper. So I'd have like Albert Collins on one side and Roy Buchanan on the other, and it flip flopped so many times I couldn't tell the difference who was who anymore. Right. And whenever you go, you go in and you you know you get a half a cheesesteak split it with somebody, or a cheesesteak split it with somebody, and then you go across the street. And I've eaten them so many times they both blend together. But there's yeah. so many great cheesesteaks whether you go to Tony Luke's or you know Newtown Square Pizza or Drexel Hill or Nick's or you know any of those guys down South Street. I mean, I think cheesesteaks are great no matter where, well, I won't it, wherever you go, but it's the company I'm with and what time of day it is. Sure. But, I mean, I used to stop off in Kansas or in Philly, you know, on my way back out to Newtown Square and there was just one place, you know, it was, it was a monster. It was my first stop every time I flew in my dad's airport over the holidays from art school and I'd go right in there and I'd just get that Newtown Square. Like, I a a Stromboli, perfect. Position. Yeah, I don't have a Stromboli on my man because the Stromboli I grew up with it just doesn't taste the same. It just I just can't get in. It. It's probably because of the sauce, obviously. My sauce is different. But I just can't get it to taste right. So I don't have it on my menu. You right. know, it's a perfect product and I don't want to do
0: that. You know, we have a good calzone, but it's not a stromboli. Right. But I had like
1: three strombolis when I was a cal.
0: Yeah. Well, I my daughter flew in from LA the other night. She did uh she did In and Out when she left LAX and then uh or before she went to LAX and then landed at midnight we did we did a Pats and a Genos. Poor kid, wow. poor kid, sixteen years old, ninety six pounds. You know she's four eleven, and uh, I'm making her suck back two cheesesteaks. So
1: that's that's the
0: trifecta. She should get some sort of you know badge for her sash. I agree, <laughs> exactly. It was like the old uh, what was that? What was that thing? Four Square when you used to get badges for checking in at airports. So <laughs> now we can't. You know, now it's gone. Thank God, because it's just more shit for us to check in on. So, uh, so how long have you been business in business out there? I think we just crossed 14 years. Wow. Dude, that's. We serve awesome. at that one location, the original location. We serve about 360,000 people a year there. And so, what, I mean, you have been, I mean, just accomplished across the board. I mean, just the, the spaces that you've built and the, the reputation that you've gained. I mean, how do you and, and, and sorry, I, didn't, I, I didn't go into this too much before in the introduction, but stretch is a gentleman that I met shooting a, an episode of Bar Rescue up in Boston, which was a, a just a fucked up episode. You remember that, dude, where you made the you made the, the mixer and Taffer was fighting with somebody and it was just a whole. And then they're like, oh, by the way. Oh, no, that was another one where they wanted you to cook and be the sculptor. Yeah, that one was down. And that was uh, the one the girl showed her tits. Oh, uh, my God. That's right. Tennessee. And they were cooking raw chicken fingers.
1: Oh, yeah. We yeah. Had the, uh We met. We were doing the ice hockey guy up there.
0: That was uh, what the hell was his name? Am. Uh, it was M- well, Angry Hams was the Angry place. Hams. And the Which guy is back was
1: Angry Hams. And they sold it. And it was kind they? of like uh, African-American jazz club or something. It <laughs> stopped in there not too long. Ago. Yeah.
0: But, dude, is that chick still out front? Oh, Yeah. That was an awesome addition to that. The way you built that was just amazing. That was you and Nancy, right? Yeah. I designed it. Nancy painted it. And yeah.
1: I'll tell you, that's how I lost my job on that. Show, is I taught a hot California girl. had Well,
0: game over, game over. I love Nancy. They're looking than me way better looking than both of us combined, dude. It's just the way that one works. Um, yeah, I was just out in, uh, Newport beach a couple of weeks ago and we tried to hook up, but she was shooting a bunch of stuff up in LA. So it just wasn't going to happen. But, um, so you, so I mean, despite everything else that you've done, like what, where did, where did the point of, of diners come in in play with, with Guy, had you known him prior to that or was this no, something I, that just came to No you?
1: man, Guy just rolled into town, you know, they sent their scouts out in the early years to check out the restaurants um, and that's when we shot, we did, I think it was actually the second season and his crew came in the night before and I had. Oh, maybe it was Blondie or someone the videos. So we got them all lit up. They had a good time. And then guy rolls in the next day and he thinks he's shooting this little pizza place. And his crew is beat up bad. And he's coming in, you know, he had a barbecue team as well. So he comes in, he shot maybe three places that time. And then he spent a week here, uh, including the American Royal. So I met some of the early guys like uh, psyche and his brother, um, from Vula's, they were here, and the whole you know, Motley Cube barbecue team, some of his clowns that he has out in California came in. And, uh, you know, his possible great guys. And uh, so we all hung out after with the shoot and just had a blast. You know, when guy was really, before he got huge, he could actually hang out a little more. And we really, you know, forged great relationships. This is, you know, way earlier than Panini Pete, Gorilla. This was uh, early, early on, before Hodad even. Uh, he'd never, I never met Hoedot at that point. And that's really when we met. And then, um, shortly after that, that aired, that was around the time I did my last stream home makeover show also. I'd already done a half a dozen stream home makeovers before I did the Food Network. And, uh, one of the first TV shows I ever did actually was in a four on Discovery Channel called uh, monster house with, uh, I
0: remember that man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I got accepted to uh, to do the uh, Monster Garage Show because um, I was looking around my studio one time and I couldn't find some ratchets. I heard if you got on this TV show, you won tools. So I applied. <laughs> you know? And they're like, hey, don't expect to hear back. You know, we have thousands of thousands. I heard like three days later, like, hey, we want you. I'm like, ah, sorry, I'm Paris." And then they called me back and said, hey, can you do the show? I said, no, I'm in New York. So I'm like, hey, no one canceled on Jesse James. Right? So I'm like, hey, sorry, I'm busy. I got a career here. Too. So <laughs> And then uh about a month or two later, they called and said, Hey, we need a welder guy to do this project for a show called Monster House. I said, When? They said, In two weeks. I said, Well, I'm on my way to Florida to do this whole show. So I had to buy a DVD to see what Monster House was all about. Shouldn't be doing this so kids don't drive and watch DVDs, but uh, I watched the whole series on the way <laughs> down to Florida. I said, Wow, this looks like a fun one. So I went out and did that. We won the pools. And, uh and kind of, I met a bunch of camera guys. You know? so I did some stuff for National Geographic. And, and that's kind of how that whole TV thing started with the Extreme Makeover. Stuff. I had a blast doing. And then Food Network rolls in. And you know, Guy and I became friends. I did Guy's Big Bite after that. And then Best of Diners. That's when I met Panini and Hodad. Um, Gorilla wasn't on scene yet, I don't think yet. And then um, we, uh, right shortly after that, we did Guy's Tour. I think it was 09. What was and what was that was the and rock, rock and roll? What was the name of that? Yeah, the Food of Palooza. Yeah, that guys, rock right. and roll tour. Right, which uh, was really cool. thirty P and Leaders were out on that one. Um, Guy had never really done any touring at that point, which was kind of fun. I was kind of the old school expert but, at touring. But he, but he was.
0: It was stuff. also the the first time that that a chef had really gone out in that setting you know, in that rock star kind of setting. It's not like the Alton Brown and the Robert Irvine stuff that they're doing now. I mean, this was like a rock and roll show with food involved.
1: We had a full production. We had our own DJ. We had lights, we had cameras, we had everything on the road. We had two tour buses and a track trailer full of equipment that would roll in just like a rock and roll show. Right. And, you know, he just didn't show up with a set of knives and walk out onto an auditorium floor and do a little lecture and show them how to flip, you know, some shrimp or something it was uh storytelling it was food it was entertainment um and we rolled with it when something didn't work necessarily no one knew how it was going to work Right. we just, we, and, I mean, we, we yeah. had a t-shirt cannon that launched t-shirts you know <laughs> for the
0: third story <laughs> but sometimes it's And did that Did you build it attention. that's the question cuz you're the fucking sculptor you're the guy who makes everything work
1: well we had to tweak a lot of stuff on the road and I I built that margarita. You know, that when it ran off two garbage disposals and we would fill that thing up we had some great sponsors as well but we'd open that thing up and just fill the first couple rows of people with margaritas <laughs> we could stick anything in that <laughs> you know fruit grind it up spit it out and we just had a blast with that. we had a mixologist with us so it was literally a theatrical show with many segments um highs and lows and storytelling a guy you know uh, you know going through the ranks and uh just captured the audience. He's just a genius um, at speaking. And then, you know, we talked about food, you know, and uh, our our future, our kids and uh, the whole production valley of teaching them how to cook and eat healthy. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand that part of guy. They just think he's, you know, just a showman that just comes in and flip flops. But he is a very caring individual about our future and our kids, great
0: family man. And, you know, one of those guys that I really am happy to be able to call a friend that's cool man and then so so I mean in reality it was just really two two personalities that connected at that time I mean you know triple D rolls in you take care of a crew as you always do and and, and one of the things that I know and love about Stretch is, is not only is he a good friend but he's one of those guys who who you know who who takes care of crew you know it, it, it's when you work in, in TV and especially in the chef world you know that they, they treat you like a rock star and all that stuff but you like me are always the guy who ends up Back behind the camera, feeding the producers, feeding the gaffers, and and everybody's pulling cables and whatnot. Um, they're the important man. They're the heroes. They,
1: they're the ones that make us. I'll tell you that. You know, I, every time I do a shoot for a show, whoever's editing it, I send barbecue to the editing suite because they got to look at my mug for hours. Yeah, hours, Exactly. Look good. So I ship them barbecue. Nice, dude.
0: Nice. So now from so from the guy tour that you guys did with them which is when Panini Hodad and Gorilla got involved?
1: No, now Panini kind of started showing up. So we're on tour and uh in 09 and Panini's show comes out. I think he does a guy's Growth big bite. And so I mean this is a young Panini. This is fun. oh, no, I know, dude.
0: Yeah, he was so of him. innocent. He no. was such a young he was such a kid. Panini and I talk, we try to chat at least once a week, but It's funny to see the old pictures, especially of you guys all together. Oh
1: my god,
2: it
0: was he was so innocent, you know, and
1: he was living a (laughs) no tattoos. Yeah, he had one bad bad (laughs) tattoo or two uh, that he got in some you know weird you know high school thing somewhere. But uh, you know, and then he jumps on tour with us here and there, and literally drives himself location location. I bet he did maybe like four locations, maybe five at that time. And, you know, we didn't have really room on the bus or anything for him back then. And, uh, you know, people P- P- six 65 Every now and then, I think he filled in in Seattle because he just couldn't take it or something. Um, and then when we did the second tour, um, Guy brought him on as one of the main characters. Oh, and we nice. brought in Gorilla as well. And then I was also on there. And uh, we'd already started the Chefs back then, which was, um, you know, started out, Guy had done a you know, a, a tour overseas on one of the aircraft carriers. And they said, uh, Hey, this is really a great idea. It's better than sending out just a, you know, you know, one of the musicians, you know, the kid rocks or Sheryl right. Crow do a 45 minute gig and some signature cards. Um, and so we started doing this thing and Guy just got so busy with his world. We couldn't, uh, he couldn't keep up. So he said, Hey, you know, put this together for me. And we literally formed, I said, well, here's this guy, this guy, this guy. And that's how it came together. Um, you know, I got and they were the best buddies I knew at the time. So you know, I didn't realize. So Dad didn't know how to make anything other than a hamburger. <laughs> which, um,
0: to the, which to the to the day he died, he made the
1: best man. He made uh, it was great. I mean, teaching him had. I mean, teaching him had knife skills and tell him that he had left-handed knives and stuff. I mean, it was just
0: hilarious. <laughs> it was so doable. Uh, and so so. Was, so one of the things, just so everybody knows that that America's Chefs was the uh, was the originator to the mess lords and America's yeah. Chefs was a group of chefs that were the with the main guy, really Guy Fieri, you and a couple of other guys who were going around the world to military bases and cooking for the troops.
1: Yeah, we went all over. I remember when we were in Japan, and there was some issues, Panini and I and Gorilla who just kind of, you know, he's, he's a backbone. He's an original four and Hodad oh, he wasn't with us on that tour. Um, Mike, and he was alive, but just one with us. uh, I said, I'm kind of fed up with the way this is running. And Panini agreed. I remember sitting at the bar and I'm done. This is my last tour unless we start bringing in more chefs and expand this, like we really want to, uh, I'm done. And Panini's like, well, let's just talk about it. It's like, all right, Liv, I'm only going to do it if we can, uh, continue on without our current people behind the scenes. It had nothing to do with Guy or anything like that. Guy had kind of already separated from us. So we reached out to Karen Fritz, uh, who runs uh, Navy Entertainment, said, hey, will you hire us just as uh, you know whoever we are? She says, of course, we love you guys. So I remember specifically Panini and I gave a big hug to each other, did a shot, went back in the kitchen, threw down. <laughs> he came back and his camera was gone. Someone stole his camera. Oh, think I would lose more cameras on tour. I think <laughs> he'd like 10 cameras. <laughs> and, you know, it's like going to a two pixel to an eight pixel to 25. And he lose it every time. We would lose it.
0: Like, why are you <laughs> even carrying that thing? You, is- you gotta, you gotta, have, you seen, have you seen Panini's videos that he does where he presses the button for one second and thinks he's he holds the button every 10s <laughs> like he's fucking taping? And then the <laughs> next thing you know, the next video is him putting it in his pocket, taking it out, answering his phone. <laughs> I cry. And he sends them to me all the time. We had a whole series of videos from our Europe tour that we did that was literally pictures of the sidewalk, his face, and then his pocket. So, <laughs> you know, technology's getting smaller, but his nubbins aren't. <laughs> dude i cry every time i think about it just him fucking taking those videos of, of his pocket and his listening to him walk or his butt dials are famous as well but so so karen so karen fritz is the director of navy entertainment we affectionately call her Mama duck she's the one who uh uh kind of keeps everybody in line and make sure you know where you got to be and and does all that good stuff um so how did how how long How did it go from America's Chefs? And I understand the politics behind it. But the transformation from America's Chefs over to Mess Lords when you guys were in Atsugi?
1: Atsugi. We were partying with – we were in the Officers Club, and they have all their great call signs all over the place. and I mean, really cool nicknames and stuff. And we had this big emblazoned emblem. Uh, kind of look like a presidential seal, American chefs, you know,
0: and you guys wearing those jackets walking through airports. It's like, yeah, it's exactly. like the Secret Service is walking through. Dude, I love my jacket. But you always <laughs> Dude, I love them.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And you want don't want to get rid of because we got all these great patches all over them, you know, but you look like a race car driver. Yeah. So we're in there. And uh, this is a really cool one. And, uh, it was the warlords, the helicopter squadron. And I said, right. Hey, can we use that logo? And they're like, of course guys. And we did a couple shots. They toasted to us. And before we hit the ground in Guam, I'd taken that logo and redrawn it on the airplane on a napkin and took the trident out and made it into a fork. We came up, I think it was, he came up with a fork full of freedom. Right. Uh, thing. And so we landed and we talked to gorilla and said, Hey, I'm in Gorilla's like, whatever you guys want to do. We Shot an email out to Hodad and Hodad's Mr. Switzerland. You know, it's of course, guys, whatever you guys want to do, I'm in, you know, whatever. And uh, we went out and got tattooed that day, I believe, um, while we were in Guam with that logo on us. And that was the day we finished the tour as America's chefs, but we were that from that point forward, we were now the mess lords. And we got picked up immediately and closed the door in that chapter on America's chef. I won't ever say it wasn't a great experience. But we continued on, um, and uh, the background scene on that is uh, American Chefs never went out again. And um, we uh, have brought many chefs on, in and out, some for temporary, some for full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like the rotating um, register. You know, our roster changes. We got a good um, group of people, man. Real good absolutely. group of people. It's, it's an important thing that we do all over the world. And the guys and gals that are serving our country and the families that give so much for us, um, I don't think people really realize it. They miss the basic thing, which is food. Yeah, I mean, you can have Skypes all day long with your family, but there's nothing. To, you know, I always say, you know, man, way to a man's heart well, way to a, a soldier's heart or a sailor's heart is through food. Get you
0: know,
1: through their belly, yeah. And, well, uh, I, I, after
0: that, I mean, for me, one of the best, and I'll never forget. You would, you would called me, and and look, man, I've had a lot of really cool things happen to me in my life, and 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 I've met some amazing people, and and you mean like when you were on the train tour? <laughs> oh, we'll get, well, we could talk about that as well. We got, we got all the time in the world, brother. But but I'll tell you, and I don't know if I ever said this to you, and I know I've expressed it to Panini, I did to Hodat as well. I've never met Gorilla, so I, I've never really had a conversation with him other than through an email or something. But it was it was a huge day for me. And I was really proud to be a part of that and still am 100 percent proud to be a part of that. It's something that I look forward to all the time. And so I appreciate the fact that you even thought to include me in that. But uh, I, I remember calling you and saying, hey, dude, look, I'm, I'm in Rhode Island and uh, my flight's been canceled and I'm supposed to be in Guam you know, tomorrow. What should I do? And you said something to the effect of either get there. Or don't be a part of mess lords again. And you were totally fucking (laughs) with me. I knew it. But the whole next like, for the next 12 hours, I'm like, I got to get to fucking Guam, man. I got to go to Guam. And uh, first off, what a shithole. That kitchen. Do you remember that? Fuck. Oh, you weren't there on that tour.
1: Were you? No, I didn't go on that one.
0: That's why you went. (laughs) That's right. And that was the that was the kitchen where the guy was wearing the chef who was in the kitchen had more accolades on his chest and around his neck with his toque, with his neckerchief, with, I mean, he looked like a four-star general in some form of a cartoon. And, uh, we had asked him for knives and I said, Hey, is there any chance you have any knives? And he looked around, he said, Oh, I guess celebrity chefs don't travel with knives anymore. And I said, I, and I said, Oh, I guess chefs with that many uh, metals don't clean their kitchens. I mean, the kitchen was just <laughs> filthy. It was bad. Um, uh, you know,
1: some of the guys I'd, I'd say 99%
0: of, um, Especially since we've been
1: doing this a few times, because the word's gotten around. Yeah. The early years of doing it, we roll into these guys' kitchens, and they do treat them with respect, whether they're in great shape or not. They're sure. like, "Well, who are you coming and taking over our kitchen? Exactly. And making it really difficult, or not making sure our food is thought out. And we're pros; we roll with it. Oh, yeah. take this out, take this out. And then all of a sudden, they realize that we're actually working chefs, not just uh, celebrity chefs. Just exactly. A point, you know. And then they go, "Wow." We don't actually have to work for the next few days we just have to point. this is great but uh they you know we got i think it was in egypt was a tough kitchen to work and it's like no nah, no help at all um and then when you go to other parts of egypt you know north camp or south camp they're like really well arms open right so they figured it out that they're like hey not only do we get to kick back and get paid in sense, but we're actually going to get great recipes they're going to teach you know our our contract kitchens, or our right. CSs, because not everybody we cook with, um, for the fans out there, uh, all 10,000 million of you, uh, there the, some are CS, culinary specialists, or they're contract, subcontract, like in Puerto Rico or in Gitmo. Um, so they might not have the best skills for kitchen, um, you know. It, <laughs> we get into some dirty kitchen. I mean, when we were on the USS Enterprise, I made be everything sharp. sharpener. Yeah. Still knife's not a safe knife. And, you know, one guy's cutting, you know, proteins at one end and all the juices are flowing down into the vegetables. It's like, whoa, you yeah. can't do that. And that was more like, you know, they are being punished in that kitchen.
0: I got to talk to you guys really quick about something that's important to me, and it's hats. I love NogginWear.com because of the fact that they give me super cool hats. Check them out. NogginWear.com. Talk to Scott and the boys. They've got a three-month, a six-month subscription and you can just buy one hat if you want to, but why would you only want to buy one hat? How many people wear just one hat every single day? If you guys go in and you check out nogginware.com, they make hats that are going to last just as long. They're going to have as much history. They're going to have as much fun. They're going to have as much character as you want. I'm a flat cap guy. I'm a guy who likes a big flat bill right up front. Sometimes I wear a baseball cap. It all depends on what I'm doing when I'm home and how long my hair is. I know it's weird, but when my hair gets super long, I get weird hat head. So, uh, go and check out the boys at com. Tell them I sent you. Ask about the Duffified hats that we have going out there. We've got two really cool ones. One's just a simple flat front that says uh, Duff Fifi Ed, which is super cool. means a lot to me because if you think about it, my nickname's Duff. My daughter's name is Fiona. We call her Fifi. And then I got my baby or my oldest daughter, and her name's Emily, and it's ED. So I think that's kind of cool the way that hat comes together. We've got another one with crossing knives. It says Duff on it. I love them. I'm going to start talking to these guys about another style coming up because I just like to create and have fun. So go over there to Nogginware.com. Tell Scott and everybody over there how much that uh, that I love their stuff. And then you guys love it as well. Tweet about it. Instagram about it. Send me pictures of you wearing a Nogginware hat. You never know. I might have some gifts for you as well. Nogginware.com. Tell them I said hi. Uh, the base that's uh, just south of Bahrain. Yes. yes. So that's the, that's the, the, the bombing base. Basically it's totally flat. And that kitchen, that long galley is just, fuck. I mean, it's, it's dark, it's dingy. Uh, They've got five separate kitchens in there. They've got a produce kitchen, a meat kitchen. They've got all that. They, they, they wanted nothing to do with us, man. That was all contract and they wanted, that was the one with the active shooter barricades that are in the, uh, in the, in the dining room. So Mm. think about sitting down, eating your breakfast or your lunch or your dinner. And there's active shooter barricades. I mean, everywhere around you, you know. So, and, and for us to be able to bring stuff like that in, we, I think we did meatloaf and we did a bunch of barbecue and stuff. Kind of helps it out. But what's uh, you've been? Were you the, there
1: during Ramadan?
0: I was during, their, during or there during there during Ramadan. Was horrible. It was bad. Yeah, that was me.
1: I mean, you got guys in the cook and you know, and they're just adding salt, like adding salt. Yeah, tasting like we can't eat it. Like, well, why in the kitchen? You well, know? <laughs> oh, it's our we have.
0: It's our religion. We can't eat. I'm like drinking in the streets. Yeah, well, that's like Panini and I running down Shawarma Alley in the middle. I've got a video of me talking to a bunch of the runners in Shawarma Alley up in Bahrain uh, when actually we stopped by Tony Luke's because he's got a place in Bahrain now. All right, but uh, so so one of the big one of the the fun. Everybody videotaped except for Panini. His was in his pocket. pocket. But but one of the tours that I did was with the, with you was we were in Rota, Spain, and then that's where we had our that's where the first time I've ever been beaten in a car bomb. It, remember that it, in that little we find the only Irish pub in Rhoda on that. 3, let, me, let me start that. Time. We flew over. We did Crete first. Yes, we're in Greece. was and Suda Bay, right?
1: Suda Bay, right. and that was a nonstop. Got in, booked, and flew over. Kuroda, right? And remember, we had it was like two in the morning. We had hamburgers <laughs> at the runway diner or whatever. <laughs> so we're up basically twenty four hours at that point. Cooked there and presentations where we uh, somebody was throwing tortillas. I'm not proud. I don't remember how that. Happened. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> That's the one. Do you remember that kid?
0: Do you remember that little kid that you drew the mustache on? The kid was like three years old. He was like (laughs) my best fucking friend. His parents are in the casino. I'm the babysitter and you're drawing fucking mustaches on the kid's face. He's three years old. I don't know. know Like the old school magician handlebars. (laughs) 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 And the parents are like, ah, fuck it. They watched him for the last two hours. I'm drinking Budweiser's and watching a kid. Oh man, it was
1: fun, but yeah, we ended up at that little Irish bar. With, I was cooking upstairs at the third floor. That's of that right, guy. with those roundabout steps that you had to climb up. Man, he had that lazy. That was the uh, the dumb waiter. We kept sending all the food <laughs> down. <with up> there. <laughs>
0: Poor guy. I've but got that the was video. A fun one man.
1: There I was still... a lot of car
0: bombs that night. Well, I have. So I have the video of the car bombs that were happening. But remember, do you remember sitting in like the Mayors? or the, the mayor's office that day, they took us on this crazy tour. I don't know. I've, I There's been too many cities, but, but I remember uh. the amount of car bombs we did, and somewhere I have a picture of me on the street, and I'm about 20 or 30 yards away from the entrance to the Irish pub, and in the background is you falling off of the unicycle. <laughs> That's where you broke your finger. But trying to ride a unicycle at four in the morning on a cobblestone street. Yeah. Everyone always says, you know how to ride a unicycle? I was like, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> but then we go back to, which we stayed in this crazy, fun little hotel, a nice little space. And if I'm not mistaken, you and the driver were helping me pack an hour later because I passed out in my bed. Yeah. So we had an early call. But we had to get to the airport
1: and then we got picked up. So I remember. I'm like, don't go to sleep. I'm like, I'm not. I'm going to pack. So I just went and sat in the shower for an hour. Got up. And I'm banging on your door. you fall asleep. You're like, you got to go. So like, all right, I'm ready. And you throw you everything on. you got your bag. you are all packed. And I said, hey, like what? I said, might want to put on a shirt. Yeah. Dude, oh, that was like. <laughs> yeah. You, you had your satchel with you. you had your I had everything ready to go. And one of, the, one of the things a lot of people don't understand is you know, traveling like with the best Lord. It's like being in a band, and it's why so many bands break up. If there's not a you know a male or a female involved with somebody else, it can break up the band in a sense. But learning how to tour, getting up early, catching flights, not being a pain in the ass, not being a bitch, whatever it's going to be, treating everybody, never leaving anybody behind, looking out for each other, and not always playing. Oh, I left the phone. Oh, my. Shape no one wants to hear that stuff all the way across the world. You have to know where your stuff is, know where your key cards are, get on the bus, get going. Yeah. And then you have, time. I mean, I slept
0: on the floor of the bus all the way across England to the, the white cliffs of Dover. I was yeah, on I know. I remember, man. Well, we and then I mean, and that alone is one of the things that you kind of grow up. I mean, I, I remember landing. I remember when I, my first one, when I went into Guam and you you were fucking around with me and you're like, either you make it or you don't. You know, if you don't, don't plan on being on tour again. And I knew you understand the the circumstance, but I took it like, fuck, I got to go do this. Um, but, you know, and those are the things that you do. I mean, you learn. I mean, everybody kind of takes care of each other. Who's got this? Who's got that? One guy's going to get shit faced. But it all comes down to the fact that when we get into those kitchens in the morning or, or in, in the middle of the night that, that you got to produce. And not a lot of people can handle that especially they, they, because uh, you know tv world kind of leads you into a different world when we're on tour and especially when i'm with you guys it's a full-on working session we're cutting knives we're we're cutting onions we're cutting beef we're breaking ribs down we're doing everything that has to be done and teaching guys after drinking on a three thousand year old street in the middle of road of spain with a broken finger
1: and we're you know a lot of people are, we're there to see the sights at the same time. we don't see a lot outside right um whether you're in Gip or whatever but you know, we're there, we're also donating our time. We donate our time to do this. That means a lot of the operators, um, you know, I'm not myself an operator anymore, but like when Panini's not there, he has to pay someone to cover him. Gorilla yeah. has to pay some, Poe Dad would have to pay some, yeah, you know, Johnny Conley. So, you know, whoever's these operators, we're donating our time, and you know, we get per diems you know, for our shirts and hats and for the <laughs> swag at the people, but we want to enjoy it at the same time. But we go in there and we are kicking butt, kicking it hard, yeah, and you know. Trying to make everybody, yeah, we ate sometimes imbibe a little too much, but we've also <laughs> backed off on that. We've learned how to do it, and we rotate it around because the guys in the, the, our, our, our military want to take us around town as well. We go to some really nice places and some really nice dive. We want to taste the flavor of the culture that their experiences as well right. and also make their day-to-day lives better. So it's a tough balance. It, it is a balanced act.
0: What's your, what's your favorite base? And I know that's a hard thing because you've hit so many of them and, and not to pick a favorite. But in reality, what's your favorite base? You know,
1: there's probably certain times that I've done certain things with. The I mean, being at South Camp in Egypt was just awesome. It was really a crude condition, but the people there really responded well. Probably one of my favorite trips we've ever done. Um, that means a lot to me was not even on a base, but it was working with the wounded warriors at John's house. Uh, outside D.C. there in Norfolk, where Mm -hmm. we cooked at someone's house and made burgers um, and pizzas in this guy's kitchen and basically trashed their house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Adios, we're
0: out. (laughs) Enjoy the full belly.
1: Yeah, so that was one of my favorite ones. I mean, the early ones were great. Um, It used to be a lot of fun doing Great Lakes as well. But, you know, I really like Rhoda. England was fun. There really isn't any. I mean, they all fuse together at the same time. But it's who's out on the road with me and who we meet in the bars, where they take us. Germany, this last run I did last year, Germany or whether I can't even remember. Uh, with Psyche, Aviano and Italy was great. You know, the ones across Germany were great. And it, um, you know, it, just, it is what it is. They're just great places, and
0: they're all a little different. I mean, I, th- I think for me, some of the stuff that that I've just completely enjoyed is, is learning the tradition, the history, you know, walking into a, uh, walking into a chief's mess with a hat on when there's 200 guys in there and they fucking nab you. And now you're the guy who's got to buy beers, you know, cause you're still wearing a lid in the middle of a chief's mess and stuff like that. Um, I mean, those are the things that I I love, but I, my, my first run was probably the most memorable one of being in Guam for 36 hours, you know, meeting two congressional medal of honor winners and mm-hmm. having a, a, you know, having a, at that point, it was an 11 year old girl, who came over to me and said, Oh, my father's a huge fan of bar rescue and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, where's your pop? And she said, well, he's out at, um, he's on watch right now. Um, you know, so this little girl and her family are, are standing in the, in the, you know, in the dining room and we're presenting and doing everything. And her father was out on watch. I mean, he was protecting the base. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And, uh, that little girl emailed me for about two years, uh, you know, just to let me know where she was and what she was doing. And, and you know, where her father was being stationed. And so those are some of the, the most amazing things for me. And and I haven't done nearly the amount that you have, but I can't even imagine the communication that you must have with people that you've met on the road in bases and whatnot. It, it's been phenomenal.
1: And, you know, some of the people <clears throat> that are a little close to the coast, maybe it's, it's a city, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Paninis and Sarah down there and Odessa, of course, California, Gorilla. they do come through and, you know, they were, send us our email and text. And you know, I hear from one of the guys that was at a uh, stationed in Norfolk who wanted to leave and open his own barbecue place. And we talked to him about catering and everything all, I, I guess I haven't heard for about six months, but you know, whatever information we have, I'm more than happy. There's no reason to reinvent that wheel, right. You know, and uh, help them out the best we can. And uh, you know, whether it's equipment or POS systems or, you know, holding times, temperatures, whatever I know, um, and by no means, you know, I'm not culinary trained. You know, I came through the school of hard knocks on that side of stuff. I mean there's way better chefs out there than me. I still don't like technically the term chef, but they tell me I'm a chef, I'm a chef. I'm not gonna fight.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm my
1: well, best, dad, I'm a pit master, you know, whatever it is. I'm a pain in the ass, I'm a pain in the ass. I have a to- lot of hat.
0: <laughs> but the term chef in reality means the lead at the head of the brigade. You know, I mean, obviously it doesn't. It, now it's turned. It, it's a whole different world. I mean, I, I interviewed a guy a couple of weeks ago who was the saute chef, and before that he was the pantry chef, and before that he was the grill chef, and he was the prep chef. So the term has really been dumbed down. But in reality, the term means head of the brigade. It's somebody who's running an operation, running a kitchen, the head of that kitchen, and you are still that guy. You know, even though I'm you're the not there, day my day, own domain you're the chef of your own domain. Yeah. So, so, uh, but I mean, and that's one of the things I think that intrigues me the most about you is your diversity with what it is within your business. I mean, look, you travel with Stretch and, and the guy's a fucking rock star. It's just that simple. You know, I mean, and it is, it's a tour world. I mean, Stretch is waking up and, you know, automatically into a kitchen and there's no question asked about it. There's no tired. There's no, hey, I got to go get my coffee. It's a pop out of bed and it's a hop right into a kitchen setting. Um, what, so we may as well make that, that kind of transition into, what the fuck was up with train (laughs) 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 that was the craziest so so real quick kind of thing stretch calls me one day hey can you hop on tour with train and start the tour off with these guys and i said yeah absolutely let's go i'll do whatever i got to do i connect him with another guy which was the weirdest setting ever but we can talk about that and uh, we get out stretch has this amazing cart basically that's set up and inside this cart is a stove. There's two traveling road cases inside those road cases were a refrigerator. There was every single utensil that we could need. There was a bottle of uh, bullet bourbon that was in the top right hand <laughs> shelf. I'll never forget it. That Greg drank the whole fucking thing by himself. Um, But Stretch was like, hey, you guys have, you know, you have a budget every day of how much food you have to spend or how much you have to spend on food. And you need to take care of of these. It was basically we were cooking for the lead singer, the band itself. And when we showed up on site, they had fired the caterer. And now we had to cook for the entire band plus the entire crew. We went from feeding 10 people to feeding 75.
1: Which was never in the contract.
0: Never. (laughs) ever
1: so so the way that on you know I, I always had a contact with the uh, rock and roll world, and a buddy of mine who was out touring for 30 years said, hey can you do this tour i said yeah it sounds cool he says i need this much money i wrote the contract i need a whole mobile kitchen that gets on and off the track just like rock and roll cases and i had them custom built with the stove and the refrigerators and all the utensils and the cleaning and the plates and it was, I think, seven or eight road cases <laughs> in that deal that always had to get set up in a certain, you know, whatever configuration. And then they decided to start the tour early and start down South Carolina or whatever. So I actually had a Mess Lords gig I had to go do first. Right. So I was going to show up late. So I told them that and I said, you know, I got these other chefs and I had the whole schedule figured out, rotate chefs in and out. Yeah. So I always had two chefs. And then... I get back, and I have uh, a quick TV gig I got to do in L.A., so I fly out to L.A., I shoot that, and then come home for a half an hour, grab my shit, and fly to Indianapolis. By that time, you were already off. Yep. And Greg was still there. I get into Indianapolis at quarter to six, and all I did, honestly, is saute mushrooms. Right. And I'm talking to Greg, and by the way, I've never heard back from him uh, ever. <laughs> He's um, a busy dude right now. And you fill me in on that list. Yeah. So uh, this guy comes into the kitchen area, and he's like, what's this? What's that? I don't need this. I'm like, who the hell is that? He's like, well, that's lead singer. That's Pat. I'm like, well, why do we have this? He's like, well, we have to stop the bus. Like, we're not supposed to do that. That's what's up. So was they were taking ride. advantage of you guys. And I said to Pat, I said, hey, you know, um, stretch. Uh, he's like, he looks at me and goes, well, I'm glad you finally could come cook for us. I said, hey, man, I've been overseas cooking for the troops. He's like, well, I'm glad you made time. That was a dickhead right off the bat. So he goes and sits down. It's all family style food. We roll, you know, we have runners bringing food down. It's all set up together. And I've been checking with you. You know, I was calling an email yeah, and emailing. Yeah, talked they all the time. Dan, Dan, or you, I'm like that's going great. Blah blah blah. I'd cook for a hundred people, sausage and bratwurst. but God, we're not dude. supposed to do that. But anyway, so he's got this Whole Foods chicken or turkey, and everything looks great. Mm-hmm. No pork allowed, and. I literally walk by. He holds up a plastic fork and a knife. He's like, really, Stretch? I'm like, sorry, Pat. I'll go find out where the silverware is. So we get silverware. And then um, and what happened? So uh, they do the show. I find out he actually fired one of his assistants for folding his shirt wrong or ironing it wrong. The one that he throws to the crowd or, you know, jism drops over Mars or whatever the song was called. And um, (laughs) his big hit. Right, You know, and he, you know, he did a little time on Rachel Ray's. Study the band scarfed it on the food. They loved all the food. Yeah. End of the show comes around. He's like, where's our after, you know, our post-production, you know, food stretch? I'm like, don't know. Might as well look into it. Not our job, but we recommend where the runners go pick it up. Right. And it was late. They picked the place for crepes, but we didn't have anything to it. They just ordered it late. They're like, it was a half an hour away. It's like, well, you guys should have left earlier. Don't blame it Don't throw my chef under the bus. Right. So I see Pat at the end of the show, and he's like, Stretch, I don't even know why you're here. This has been the worst food I've ever had on tour. I said, really? Because I've heard everything was great. Yeah. He's like, no, it's the worst I've ever had on tour. I was like, I'll tell you what, Pat. I'm cooking for you tomorrow in Nashville. If you don't like my food, I'll pack up all my crap, and I'll leave. Sure, take off. And that was the last I ever dealt with him. So I go, in and I'm partying with the lighting guys and sound guys back. We're on what they call the iron lung or whatever. we are all smoked <laughs> on that one. And I uh, got basically no sleep. I walk over to the manager in the morning and he says, Hey, stretch. Uh, I said, I need my runner. I got to go to Whole Foods. We got a bunch of food for today. He says, We got a problem. I said, What's that? He says, You talk back to Pat. Yeah. I said, I mean, I talk. He's like, Well, no one talks to Pat. I said, Fuck you. Fuck Pat. Pack all my shit up. I need two plane tickets out of Nashville uh, for my chef and I. I want all my stuff put on a truck. This is bullshit, the guys. Like, it's prima Donna. He's like, really? I said, yeah, because I'm not going to put up with this. You guys have abused my staff. And I had two tickets out of there, all my stuff put on trucks. I shipped Greg back home. I got home. I was on and off training for in less than 24 hours. I told my wife, <laughs> to get up there. like, what? I said, I'll tell you when I get home. I was yeah. on and off tour for, and all I did was saute mushrooms. I got paid everything. Um, all the chefs got paid. My yeah. road case got paid for, and I made a 1000
0: Yeah. Well, and you know what the weird thing for me was that first day when, when Greg and I showed up and, and, and the, the way you put those road cases, together it was amazing. Just so, so everybody knows it was really I mean, it, it made that whole tour run amazingly. And if you weren't somebody who had done what you've done in the past, I don't think it ever would have happened that way. But, um, you know, so we get in and the first night we're cooking for everybody. And we now find out that we went from having to cook for 10 guys, 10 people all the way over to having to cook for, you know, 75. And I remember Pat walking into the kitchen and I had a whole bunch bunch of cookies up on uh on the shelf because the guys had said they wanted cookies are you you're fully peeing right now while i'm talking to you are you fully peeing while i'm talking to you <laughs> nobody can see what's happening yes. right now but but stretch is fully taking a leak while we're talking so nice bathroom by the way dude so so we go into ah there you go look at that you got your shit all over not your shit all over the place in there but i like it so so Pat comes in and he starts yelling at me. What the fuck is this? What is this shit that you're looking at? What is this shit that we're 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 eating? And I said, Pat, you got to hold on for a second, man. We went from having to cook for ten guys to having to cook for seventy-five. So you need to give me a day to kind of get everything set. And and he he kind of backed off that day. The next day I went in. Uh, uh, Greg and I had an opportunity to fucking go to another Whole Foods in another city. Because every city we went into, we had to go to a Whole Foods. Their rider was crazy. The the, the tour manager's <laughs> girlfriend was setting the dressing rooms for them. And then she's giving us a list of shit that we got to get. Pat's best got too. It was. Oh, I know she did. Well, she should have because she was a shit show, dude. She was a horrible shit show. But uh, so we did. We cooked for, you know, I cooked for Pat. And I finally had said to the whole band, do me a favor. And I interviewed everybody. What do you like? What is it that you like to eat? This and that. And I remember sending a list through to you guys. These are what they like to eat. And Pat was, I mean, it, it was, it was maniacal dude. The, the Evie or the, uh, the Pellegrino, the Perrier that I bought 15 cases of in Charlotte, North Carolina. I loaded them onto the bus that Greg and I were living on. And when we landed in the next city, wherever it was, I opened up the side of the bus and i said, Hey, where the fuck is the water? And the audio guy, not shit. your stretch looks at me and says, yeah, man, that's culinary that doesn't belong on the audio bus it's on the side of the road in charlotte and i'm like what the fuck i've been chasing perrier all over the goddamn country right now but it was a weird world man and the cool part about it though was the whole band was really awesome backup singers everybody was great i still talked to a couple of those guys but uh pat was not nice to me until he found out that i was on tv yeah once he found out that i was on tv we were best friends he wanted to know all about it what the show was cuz rescue was was premiering while i was on tour with them so so long story short was a negative little world that we lived in for that time but i appreciate the opportunity to do it and and it was a blast doing it so thanks man i appreciate that I like the whole story of being on an off road less. Well, it's kind of in there with my. Well, it's not as dramatic, or it, like it's Guam. much more dramatic as my thirty six hours in Guam uh, and my double sunrise view that I got to see. But uh, yeah, man, that was it. That was a different world. So, so now let's kind of fast forward to where you are now. I mean, you've got these restaurants that you're doing. You've got your barbecue stuff, which just uh, we didn't really even touch on barbecue. But but Stretch's world is not just limited to the Grinders kind of empire. He's a he's an accomplished barbecue master. You're also a certified judge for for the Royal, right? Well, uh, for KCBS Kansas City Barbecue Society,
1: um, I've actually been judging longer than I've been cooking competition. This will be the sixth year I get to judge back coming up here
0: next month. Okay. So what I mean, how did it? Was it a natural progression for you, or were you bored? I mean, how did you get involved in the barbecue world? (laughs)
1: Kind of everything happened to the um, So I've always loved cooking garbage. And uh, as an artist and in my studios, I very rarely had kitchen equipment. Exactly. Real kitchen equipment. But I always had a grill. I could always cook something. I mean, man and fire have existed together for a long time and you throw some meat on there. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I did a show called Pitmasters
0: where I fell in love with the challenge. Uh, restaurants, but, say, but hold on, eighties. hold on. How did you but how did you end up on Pitmasters? So they came there they
1: shooting Kansas City, they had uh, a couple teams and they wanted a restaurant guy that does barbecue. And nice. I do brisket, I do pork in a restaurant, I do our turkey or pastrami, and we smoke a lot of stuff. Um but would never done competition. I'd been judging competition, so they said, Hey, uh, do you wanna do this show? And I said, Well, what's it about? it? Like, I gotta do this. So I, um I said, Sure. So I literally did it at the Royal, two years ago, well four years ago, my fifth season couldn't come, and uh, so I went against a guy named Rod Brafe, who ended up winning the whole season of Hitmasters, and against a team called True Bud, who that year won Team of the Year, so I went against two of the best teams in the country, and the I first third, so I was happy, Yeah, there was only, three. seriously, uh, <laughs> and you know, I do stuff a little non-traditional, I'm kind of like, Dennis Rodman of a barbecue. Well, they've caged the boxes up. They had to write some stretch rules about it. They use kale stems and all that kind of stuff. Some weird stuff there. Yeah. But uh, and I remember having a conversation with Ray Lampy, Doctor. Barbecue. saying, "You know, he's like, stretch. You're going to have to conform if you want to win these things." I'm right. like, "I'll never conform. You know, screw that, anarch."
0: Right.
1: And sure enough, man, you know, this weekend we took tenth and brisket, 33rd overall. Wow, four hundred and seventeen. Yeah, we rocked, shit. It, we rocked it. We rocked it. And um, but I just fell in love with the competition, the challenge. And you know, the first two years, um, my meat to alcohol ratio was way off. Um, <laughs> so throwaway years there. And you know, a lot of people think going out, you're just kind of you know throwing some meat on and drinking. I mean, there really is a finesse to this sport, and I mean, it's changed already in the past five years from so many people in tents because of television, and everyone's got trailers now, and it's pretty cool, but uh, you take out all the, the elements, the rain, the snow, the ants, whatever, um, so you're inside a contained area, it, especially the day I realized I needed a trailers, the day when we used to do it under our tent, setting up your box with your chicken or your ribs or your pork, whatever, and I have all my ribs laid out, and I'm picking out, because of course, it's so I basically cooked 16 chicken thighs to pick six out. I cooked four slabs of ribs awesome. to get eight bones. I cooked two butts in order to get enough for six servings. I cooked one brisket to get maybe nine slides to turn end. So there's a lot of extra. Right. But I was literally laying out my ribs to choose. And someone walked by and said, oh, thanks for the sample. I'm like, are you kidding me? You just took a perfect rib. that's going in my box. I knew I had to get out of the <laughs> but, but yeah, I could have stabbed but uh, with a very nice ergo chef knife, thank you. Very much. Oh, look at that plug! Um, plug. Nice plug. If you're going to stab someone, use it. it's <laughs> a problem. It's always
0: and it won't not. give you carpal tunnel.
1: <laughs> so you know the challenge um, for me was to make the most perfect average barbecue, and that's exactly what we cook. You can't have it too sweet, you can't have it too hot, you can't have it too spicy. You can't have you know any. You're not doing a you know a Coca-Cola. You know, marination or doctor doctorate, you know, pepper kind of thing. Um, and if you do, it's great, but it can't be overpowering. And so you judge on appearance, taste, and tenderness. It, and any of the winners will tell you it is a tenderness competition. You just have to have the perfect bite, perfect texture, the perfect moisture uh, in whether any of those four proteins. And and you turn in every half hour on the hour. So it's not like they kind of to get together. Right. We have a time schedule. I roll into a contest. I have a series of alarms when my fire starts, when things have to get really? rubbed, when they go into a brine, when they get marinated, when they get injected, when they come out. And it's every half an hour on the hour starting at 3 a.m. Uh, every time I do the cook, it's exactly the same. And I was all over the place. We had any teammates with mm-hmm. You know, we were on you know, pellet smokers first. And my problem is like, I love smoker and I love the equipment side of this thing. right? And so I had every gadget there was. When all you and need so is a this flame. season, I've gone backwards and I've gotten rid of everything that plugs in basically. And it's just a stick burner I cook on. And, uh, you know, I just walk out there with my little thermo pen, jam it in every everything. now, but everything's time. Sure. I mean, you cut down a brisket. So it, you know, it's so clean. And I mean, you get rid of it, all the extraneous parts of the butt, trim the chicken skin and, you know, cut the fat off. So you're dealing with the exact same meat, except for it's a different animal every week. Right. And you know what your smoker does. And there's really a science to it. And the guys that are winning Darren Ward, Smokey Keys, the Travis, the Pellet Envies, and the you know, lucky uh, uh, Tuffy Stone and Myron and all those guys, that they've given me so much information. There's so much great information on the internet now. Um, you know, And uh, it, it's it's just gotten crazy how good everybody's got. Nope. And so you really can't <clears throat> do anything out of that. The judges expect to see the a full same. box of meat with, you know, burn ends in there. You're not supposed to get judged on smoke rings. Some of are artificial, but I've just fallen in love with the sport. And I don't really have any challenges
0: anymore, but, um, except for that. What makes you, I mean, to me, like, you know, I mean, so you got 33rd in, in what this past week out of 400? What was it? Overall. So you got 33rd overall. So so now how is it that you then make the decision Two, one, do I smoke for an extra 10 minutes? Do I use a different cut? I mean, how are you changing that to say, okay, next time I want to be in the top 30? Can't. No,
1: you can't. That's is the just... exact same thing.
0: You but if you're doing be... this the exact same thing over and over again, and you're getting there's this judges. different set of judges, but isn't the judging pretty much all the same? How many judges are you going through? Every competition, there's one judge per team. Okay. Wow. so. Yeah, really? So there was 400 judges. Get the fuck. So you're and they sending break them up in the tables of six. OK, so, so are you sending your product to the same judge every single time? Nope. No, it's completely anonymous. I okay. have a number
1: on my box and that's it it. in
0: and then it goes to wherever they
1: want to go. They change the number and it goes to a whole other table. So, so in smaller
0: competitions, it's rare you get on the same. So how is, I mean, and so with you being a judge and, and, and it's a certification process that you have to go through, it's not like they just say, Hey, you're a good looking dude. I love your fucking glasses. Can you come and judge for us? I mean, it's a certification, although we know that's how you started off doing it. That's <laughs> how I
1: started. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, oh, you have teeth and you like teeth. You're in. <laughs> that shit better be tender because motherfucker over there has no teeth, man. What? <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess, has it really, I mean, I don't know where I really want to go with this, but to me, it seems like if you're doing the same thing every single time, how are you How are you moving forward? Why is it that those guys who, can, who constantly win, is there ever an underdog that just comes up and blows them out of the park?
1: There is every now and then. But one of the things is you say that you're, you're trying to do it. There's a lot of things they're always working against. You, like, oops, uh, somehow my rubs got wet. Or um, it's a different type of wood or the charcoal's a little different or the temperatures are different. Like cooking in Frisco, Colorado, where you're, you know, you know, a mile high to get the fires right. So even though we say we try and do the same thing every week, it's never exactly the same. But you're judged on appearance, taste, and candidate. So we do kale and then all the judges on taste all have different taste buds. Right. So if you drastically change anything, you're screwing yourself So you may say like this past cook this weekend, I started an hour and a half later than I normally would start. And because of some fire stuff we had going on. And then on accident, um, I had to go do something. So after we rubbed the meat, we likely eat out for about a half an hour to absorb all the flavor profile before we refrigerate it. Um, it stayed out for a good hour and a half, two hours on accident. So it's like, now I'm going to have to do that because so well.
0: Right, so right, right. So sure. by accident in reality, you're you're learning the ways to do it. Yeah, you just I mean, the guys that are doing it and do it. I mean, I'll cook
1: maybe 14 this year. The guys that are top of their game cook 40 a year. Jesus. 40 competitions a year. Now there's some that are back to back doubles. Um, there's one coming up in Georgia that's three, it's actually, which is really important because it's um on Friday we cook for Saturday turn in. At the exact same time, two sets of judges will taste the exact same food that you'll get judged on. And then Sunday will be a separate. I said, why don't you do a steak challenge too? Because the steak (laughs) one's a big thing now, the SCAs. Really? That way, you know, because if you cook all the chicken at the exact same flavor profile or your brisket, theoretically, you could do enough. You could separate, same with the pork, enough to get two sets of judges, the exact same food, to see how one set of judges judges the person together. Right. Right. Um but other than that, man, it you can't really do too much of changing. You know, like this time we also heated up all my sauces where I normally just heat up my chicken sauce. Um so we're doing little things and you've got to keep track of it. But I know that, you know, the location on my smoker where I try and put it where it gets the best heat, so on and so forth. Um it's understanding that stuff. And it, it's tricky because just normal mother nature's a knuckleball or just, you know, oops, I forgot to get I, I ran, I didn't I don't weigh out my brown sugar when I put it on my rib. It's a handful. So Bob put brown sugar on this time. I didn't know if he put as much on as last time. Right. Um, and what was cool about the kosher cue
0: is it neutralizes everybody. Dude, I heard it was like 4,500 people showed up for that here in it was, Philadelphia. It,
1: it was crazy. I literally showed up with a thermometer and a bottle of Jack.
0: There you um, go. You, you can't which is We're the first any- shot that you and I ever did together was a bottle of Jack, <laughs> which the owner of the fucking restaurant walked out the back door after we just discussed with him how to save his cost in the whole nine yards. And he steals a bottle of uh, uh, he steals a bottle of Jack Daniels from the bar and hands it to you. So <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Nothing. I have nothing to see here. Nothing to see here.
1: Bottle of Jack was a gift. It was. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> um, but the kosher queue is pretty cool because we show up on Thursday. Everybody gets 10 chicken thighs, there's no pork, 10 uh, short ribs, beef, uh, a turkey, about 12, 14-pound turkey, and a beef brisket. You have to carve it up that night, and then it gets kosherized, it gets wrapped and put away until Saturday night after Sabbath at dark. Right. And everything you touch has to be approved by, you know, the rabbi, basically. And so everyone gets brand-new grills uh, to cook on. They have to start a fire for you. And it's, so none of my previous injections or any of my rub, actually one of my rubs is kosher. So I can use that, but it has to be brand new and it has to be kosher approved and have the symbol on it. So everyone's kind of in the same boat. And, uh, so there are 20 teams there. And, uh, we took fourth overall in that for never cooking kosher. So like a Turkey is all kosher. And, and it's, uh, it's so salty already the same with the chicken, right? Um, so you have to be cautious on how you use your rubs and everything else. And it comes down again, tenderness, you know, and just knowing how to cook. Right. But it was cool. It was.
0: Then, I mean, I, I just I know that it was a big to do around here. It was something I really tried to get to, but I was on the road for the whole week prior to. But it was a big I mean, it was a big deal. And I heard that the turnout was just unbelievable. They
1: were blown away, blown away on how many people came out. And everybody wants to have questions, and it's great. Again, it, you're being in front of the public, and you're trying. You're, you're on a time frame. Right. Chicken is turned in from 5 of 12 to 5 after 12. Beef ribs are from 1225 to Jesus. 1235. Turkey is from 1255 to 105, and then briskets from 125 to 135. And, you know, as a semi-celebrity, you know, they want autographs. They want stickers. Sure. They want, you know, pictures. It's like, guys, I'm more than happy to do it. but you I got to work. I have to get yeah, I got a job, eat. Mr.
0: Yeah, you miss your time. You're done. That's a zero. You're out. So, and, uh, yeah, you, you're screwed. Do you have sponsors to do this, or is this all something that's put on by Stretch Co. or by Grinders? How does that work for you?
1: You know, I have one company that gives my rubs. Um, I used to have a few more that gave me the rubs. Smoking Guns here in Kansas City. They give me my rubs. I use a lot of their rubs. Um, Cosmos used to give me my rubs and injections and stuff like that. And I found, I, I mean, I still use their product, but for me. To constantly hashtag, and <laughs> it was forever. It's a hassle for me to buy this stuff.
0: Right, right, exactly. You
1: yeah. Never want to leave someone out. The guy that gives me my wood, right, <laughs> Prager Grill or whatever, and I love them all to death. I just got tired of adding tag and tag tag right. tag tag when I just post a photo. And go, great cook, thanks teammates, you know that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so Grinders does it, and um, we cook under Grinders name except for in Philly. Um, I changed the name to, uh, we, we, it I changed it to the Hebrew school dropouts, um, <laughs> which, which I am.
0: Uh, so, got it. Well, <laughs> no, so no bot missed before it was a bar, or bot, bar, or bot for you. I was a bar, My a bar. Was a bot. Okay. Was a bot. I got um, it. And I bet it was the most photographed sign.
1: You know, everyone had to take pictures of it. And the Havana grill. Up, super cool. And I have, you know, me out there is as a, again, a, a, a kind of barbecue celebrity, um, it was fun and great people and everybody, the meat, I, I think they turned my, I think it's a meat cotter camaraderie. Yeah. Um, everybody in this thing the barbecue guys are kind of like drywall guys. Have you ever met a drywall guy? Like, oh, I'm the best. I can mud this. <laughs> exactly. I over yeah, I, I got part. it. You know, and barbecue is the same way, but they'll tell you the secrets. Yeah. I can tell you exactly how I do my chicken and what I put on, but every time it's going to be different for somebody. Right. And, you know, it's just paying attention to detail. I can show you, I got to have flavors, got to taste it. You know, one cayenne is different than another cayenne, you know, and SCOBY rating. So there's so much that goes on, but it's a brotherhood and a network of people that, I mean, if you're stuck on the side of the road and you have a barbecue smoker behind you, 25 people will pour. Sure you're just stuck on the side of the road.
0: They all wave at <laughs> <laughs> big bus rolling in. So, so be on a Harley, you know, that that
1: weird brother. It's thing, that. You know, where, yeah. It's know, that wave waving when you're in the Jeep.
0: You know? It's fun. I got a buddy. Yeah. I love, I got a Jeep and a Harley. Uh, my, my buddy is a Honda rider and he has a, well, I don't VR something that's super fast that I can't even announce, but, and he, he's, uh, we always joke when we're riding that the Harley guys go blowing past him and then they wave right to me. Or if he's in the middle of the pack, they'll wave at me, put their hand down and then wave at the Harley behind him. But um. How much has, how much has your, and, and we're, we we, we got to end it up here because I know how busy you are, but how much has your tour and, and everything changed ever since? I mean, dude, you got twins, man. You got the Mugwumps. The Mugwumps are great. They came out this weekend. They ran up and got the awards with me this weekend. Oh, it was that's so cool awesome, to dude.
1: have them with me. My wife was there to celebrate. She didn't come up. I think she was just stunned actually. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I jumped up, grabbed two little arms, dragged them up on stage. Jackson, the bugwump, the high-five and everybody. So my touring has changed a little bit. I have a big tour bus I got last year. I got a big 45-foot Prevo we roll in now. So the touring side of things have gotten a little more comfortable than just driving around in my pickup truck. Right. And my tools have gotten a little more expensive, but I've also gotten a little older. So my world has I don't fly nearly as much if I can drive there. I do because I treat it like a little vacation. I can still have my phones going and keep business rolling. Right. We have hundred and eighty five employees now. Holy shit. And I have great managers and that's not even counting the music venue. We're over two hundred like twenty with the music venue. Right. So I have great people handling all this behind the scenes. And you know, when I came back from the barbecue, I brought the production guys all the leftover barbecue. Yeah. I bring them to the restaurant for the employees. I know that I can't do what I do without my team. Sure. And they all think it's all fun and games when I'm out on the road. But it's serious, and it's business. Right. And, I mean, we, we have fun, but it's a balance. Right. And it's the yin-yang, and I love touring. I've been all 50 states. I've been around the world. I mean, I'd like to have, you know, a little more of the South American countries down there, but uh, it's I feel very fortunate. You know, art took me around the globe, whether I was in the Republic of Georgia or Africa or Korea or whatever, and now food takes me all over. Right. And it's I just feel so happy to be able to do that stuff and bring people along uh, like yourself and other people that, you know, who might have just been stuck in a kitchen. Sure. You know, we call these chefs, you know, but I try and take my cooks out with me here and there um, around at least the states because we can only take celebrities with us out on the road for best lords. But, you know, showing them that there's another way and probably one of the best things is talking to parents. You know, I used to get calls a lot for their kids. Oh, my kid wants to go to art school. How do you yeah. survive? And I'll go, it's hard. It's really hard. And everybody wants to cut corners. Oh, I want to be a celebrity chef. It's like, well, you got to put the time in. I said, yeah, I had the time in. And I took. And I, I mean, I lost so many relationships. But I still don't have heat in my studio or air conditioning. I sweat, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you got to put the time in and have a personality. And I tell everybody, if you want to learn how to do it when you're ready, when you're cooking, Talk to yourself about what you're doing. Oh, I'm using this knife because of this reason. This cutting board here. I got a glove on this hand. This hand I'm going to already, you know, put my onion and garlic. In. I want to you know, sweat that down for X amount of minutes. So if you're talking through it, it helps you become a better chef. Right. At the same time when someone wants to learn or if you ever do get that call to be on TV, you know how to discuss what you're doing. You know, I'm peeling this onion because, if you, you know, I'm going to want to push any germs into the onion when I cut it. You know, different thing. Or I'm going to cut it this way, slice it, dice it, whatever. So I tell everybody to do that, but getting those calls from those parents and then finding out, you know, a year, two years, three years later, five years and the emails on how, you know, well, well, how we, um, touch their children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's
0: no children uh, touching going on. Just so everybody yeah.
1: knows. Uh, there's no, I, I'm going to have to figure out another word. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, how uh, they were happy when, we met. uh, met. Yeah. But, you know, it gave them direction and focus. And I know um, it took a lot off parents. And I know, you know, going to the art world, for my dad, my dad used to say, you know, hey, you know, stretch, you need to save money for a rainy day. And I'd say, like, dad, I'm moving to Arizona. There's less rain. God damn it. It's not what I'm talking about. Uh, so, you know, helping them out and doing whatever, again, not reinvent the field, but I, it's like teaching. And now, you know why teachers do what they do. If you can get somebody and give them focus and direction and help them out in this crazy thing we call life. Uh, I think we've done our job, you know,
0: so. I agree I agree I percent 100 with that it's it's a uh, it's a cool world that we live in that we get to share what we do and and when it comes to the military you and uh, panini and, and and especially Hodad and and uh, gorilla who I have yet to met put together something that's a gorilla huge really
1: doesn't exist by the way we just
0: a, it, I know I've never met him I've never met him I've seen recipes of his of his come through I think I've seen a, a shady response of his come through which is probably just some random person in your office who's replying to things who knows but uh, I, I want to thank you for that. And, and, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to do that and, and for us to get back on the road together, something that I look forward to doing. And, uh, um, so I, and I appreciate your time, man. I, I know how fucking busy you are. And, and I really appreciate you taking what what is now an hour and 15 minutes to hop on the phone with me. So thanks stretch. Hey,
1: I appreciate it. And, uh, all the links are good. And uh, I'm glad you're doing this podcast. I went back and listened to the meetings. That sounds great. Yeah. And I know you're a busy guy with everything. So keep us updated on where you are and, uh, Next time out again, when I'm out rolling, you know, I purposely
0: don't call you. I know. I don't I know. It's, a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough world when you travel and, and you have friends in every city and you're like, yeah, it just wasn't going to happen this round. Sorry, man. So, yeah. but, uh, all right, stretch one more time. Uh, let's do it the right way. It's stretch artist on Instagram and Twitter and your, uh, your stretch ruminer or stretch artist on Facebook as well. Right. Right on, right on. Something like that. We got Grinders out in Kansas City, and we got Crossroads at Grinders where all your music venue happens. Beautiful. All right, man. Well, Stretch, thanks for your time, dude. I really appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon, man. Later. Peace out. I told you you would like him. How about that? That's Stretch, man. Stretch is a great dude. He's so diverse in everything that he does, and he's got his hand in everything, and that's one of the things that I like about him because he's not just... A um, he, he look, he's not just a guy who's in the restaurant business. He's got, he's, he's got outlets for his creativity across the board. And that's all stuff that I really like to see. And I like to watch. And, and those are got the kind of people that I like to hang out with as well. It's just one of the things that I really enjoy. Um, stretch is a good buddy. Uh, do me a favor, get out and check him out. Um, check out some of the stuff that we all do between the mess lords, some of the charity stuff that uh, stretch is involved in. Please support his restaurants out there. Crossroads at, um, at Grinders and Grinders Pizza, the 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 those amazing eclectic restaurants that he's got out there. Just support a really good dude. That's what I'm asking for. So uh everybody go over to Instagram and Twitter, check him out. I know we keep saying it, but this is the world we live in. So it's at stretch artist. Go and check him out. Get him on Facebook at stretchroominer.com or stretch Roominer. He's the guy that you want to talk to, okay? So boys and girls, uh with that being said I, I gotta take off um, um, I've got a bunch of stuff that I have to get done this week and I love spending the time with you guys on episode number 28 you guys can find me at Chef Duffy on Twitter and Instagram Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook send us your questions and your comments about the show especially if you have a guest that you want me to talk to do an introduction on Twitter if he's a friend or something like that you think that I'd enjoy talking to him or meeting him or her I'd love to do that you never know who's going to show up on Duffified Live but I do and I can't wait for next week So, boys and girls, thank you so much for your help, your time, and uh, allowing me into your life. Love you, man. Adios. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence.
2: This is an Ian Beckles flavor In your Ear Quick Fix on Radio Influence. It seems like in our whole country, everybody's yanking down statues, okay? It's a big thing. We got to get rid of this statue. This statue is the worst. I don't know how we can exist with this statue. First of all, all the statues that they yank down, I've never seen, okay? You know, when they talk about Robert E. Lee to me, what the hell do I know about Robert E. Lee? Seriously. You know, the Bucks and the Lightning and the Rays all donated, I think, it was $5,000 to bring down a Confederate statue. Um, and I'm saying this, okay? They needed $140,000, I think it was, to bring this statue down, okay? I was just saying on my last podcast, they went in a school in Tampa and the air conditioning was broken and it was 89 degrees in the school. You think you're re- bringing that statue down is really that important? Isn't it more important than having our kids comfortable while they're in school. It's, it's a statue. Listen, it's history. Let me tell you something, okay? If we eliminate everybody that was all about slaves, you're eliminating most of the white folks, okay? Back in the day, you had slaves because that's what was going on. Listen, I'm black, very black actually. What if if at the time that was what's going on, you're going to be a white person who goes, I'm totally against slavery. Now, nah, man, let me get one and you can mow this and you can do this and you can pick this up and do the stuff I don't want to do. You know, if somebody brought in a bunch of people from Saskatchewan and said, hey, uh, they need jobs. House them up and they'll work for you on your fields. What's the difference? I mean, you don't have to be whipping them. That probably wasn't that wasn't very nice. the whipping part. But the rest of it, you really going to dog out somebody because they were doing what everybody else was doing? You're going to be such a strong person that you'd be against slavery? Get the hell out of here. You can't eliminate slavery. It's part of history, okay? We're we're trying to eliminate it from history. It's called history. It's a story. It happened. And what's going to happen when we, first of all, the people that are upset usually are white. Seriously. If, you know, I never heard a black person walk by and go, that's a terrible statue. I've never heard it before. I walk by a statue, I look at it. If there was a statue of Robert E. Lee, I swear to God on everything. I would look at it and I'd go, hmm, there's Robert E. Lee. And it's not gonna say, it's terrible, it's it's hatred and blah, blah. Come on. You know, it's like a Confederate flag. If that's your flag, rock it. Rock it, baby. Now, I have the uh, I I have my opinion, but if that's your flag, man, rock it. I'm not opposed against somebody flying a, a Confederate flag. That Tells me what's up or what might be up.
1: You can find Ian Beckle's Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.